Good morning. I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. Recording from Random Lake, not Sherman Center this morning. Uh, it's Monday. Uh, today is one of my favorite Bible stories. At least it was uh, in my childhood. I recall a little story for you before we begin, <laughs> so I don't forget, and uh, also because I think it's funny. Uh, my uh, art, art teacher growing up, who's a family friend, um, had an assignment and said, uh, go find a Bible story and illustrate it. And so then this was the first story I found. I don't know how I found it, but I did. Um, and so I pictured a very fat man being having a sword swallowed by his stomach. Uh, that got me into trouble, of course, because, you know, that wasn't the point, is to find a, a nice Bible story, not one of the uh, less nice. Uh, so then I found the story about all the Levitical priests getting drunk on, the, uh, on wine and vomiting on the table, and illustrated that, and uh, got myself into some pretty significant trouble. Because, you know, don't take the lesson too seriously, I guess. <laughs> anyway, uh, two great stories from the Bible. Uh, realistic. We'll put it that way. Good. Uh, so our congregation of prayer today will consider the judge Ehud, and of course his confrontation with Eglon, the king. And uh, uh, so we'll begin. All right. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. All right, let's say our memory verse for this week. No one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 3. And now our psalm for this week, Psalm 98. O sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre, with the lyre and the sound of melody. With trumpets and the sound of the horn, make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. Let the sea roar and all that fills it, the world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands, let the hills sing for joy together before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Okay, first reading today is continuation from the epistle of St. Paul to the church in Ephesus, chapter 4. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope 
of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. All right, our reading for Catechesis from Judges 3. And the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord strengthened Eglon, king of Moab, against Israel, because they had done evil in the sight of the Lord. Then he gathered to himself the people of Ammon and Amalek, went and defeated Israel, and took possession of the city of Palms. So the children of Israel served Eglon, king of Moab, eighteen years. But when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer for them, Ehud the son of Gera, the Benjamite, a left-handed man. By him the children of Israel sent tribute to Eglon king of Moab. Now Ehud made himself a dagger, it was a double-edged and a cubit in length, and fastened it under his clothes on his right thigh. So he brought the tribute to Eglon king of Moab. Now Eglon was a very fat man. And when he had finished presenting the tribute, he sent away the people who had carried the tribute. But he himself turned back from the stone images that were at Gilgal and said, I have a secret message for you, O king. He said, Keep silence. And all who attended him went out from him. So Ehud came to him. Now he was sitting upstairs in his cool private chamber. Then Ehud said, I have a message from God for you. So he rose from his seat. Then Ehud reached with his left hand, took the dagger from his right thigh, and thrust it into his belly. Even the hilt went in after the blade, and the fat closed over the blade, for he did not draw the dagger out of his belly, and his entrails came out. Then Ehud went out through the porch and shut the doors of the upper room behind him and locked them. When he had gone out, Eglon's servants came to look, and to their surprise the doors of the upper room were locked. So they said, He's probably attending to his needs in the cool chamber. So they waited till they were embarrassed, and still he had not opened the doors of the upper room. Therefore they took the key and opened them, and there was their master, fallen dead on the floor. But Ehud had escaped while they delayed, and passed beyond the stone images, and escaped to Syrah. And it happened when he arrived that he blew the trumpet in the mountains of Ephraim, and the children of Israel went down with him from the mountains, and he led them. Then he said to them, Follow me, for the Lord has delivered your enemies, the Moabites, into your hand. So they went down after him, seized the fords of the Jordan leading to Moab, and did not allow anyone to cross over. And at that time they killed about ten thousand men of Moab, all stout men of valor. Not a man escaped. So Moab was subdued that day under the hand of Israel, and the land had rest for eighty years. After him was Shamgar the son of Anath, who killed 600 men of the Philistines with an ox goad, and he delivered Israel. All right. So, um, we'll see this quite often here in Judges, but uh, what phrase begins the narrative? And we talked about this last week. Yeah, Israel did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Of course, what is evil in the eyes of the Lord? To go against his word, right? We have that uh, benefit as Christians that we actually um, know the d- difference between good and evil um, because we have God's word. What did the Lord do? He strengthened Eglon, the king of Moab, against Israel. Um, by the way, what is the city of Palms? You saw that in verse 13. It's another name for, for Jericho. See that back in Deuteronomy. Uh, how long were the Israelites subject to Eglon? It says there in for, verse 14. 
18 years. 18 years. Whom did God send as the deliverer? His name is Ehud. Ehud, which in Hebrew means uh, deliverer, as in like a savior. What's the importance of being left-handed? By the way, the, the Latin word for left-handed is sinister, by the way. Yeah, well, you see it play out in the story. It gives the element of surprise, right? Um, because the left hand is associated with negative judgment, um, with the power of this age, right, in the Bible. Um, you know, Christ sits at God's right hand, not his left hand. Left hand is judgment and power in this world, but also left hand is uh, usually what you would use to hold your uh, shield, not your sword. Um, and of course, he is from the tribe of Benjamin, right? Benjamite, a Benjamite. Um, Remember what Ben Hamin means? <laughs> Son of my right hand. Huh. I can see that. Uh, we should probably look again uh, with Jacob in Genesis 35. There were two sons of Ishmael, and these were their names by their towns and their settlements, 12 princes according to their nations. Um, these were the, the years of the life of Ishmael, One hundred and 37 years, and he breathed his last and died. Is this what I wanted? No, this is not right. Excuse me. Oh, yeah, not 25. 35. Typing skills. There we go. Rachel. Uh, then they journeyed from Bethel, and there came a little distance to go to Ephrath. Rachel labored in childbirth, and she had hard labor. Now it came to pass when she was in hard labor that her midwife said to her, Do not fear, you will have this son also. And so it was, as her soul was departing, for she died, that she called his name Ben-Oni, and his father called him Ben-Hamin. Again, son of my right hand, or of the right hand. So Rachel died and was buried on the way to Ephrath, that is, Bethlehem. And Jacob set up a pillar on her grave, which is the pillar of Rachel's grave to this day. Okay. Uh, what was Ehud bringing to Eglon? This is the setup, yeah. Brought him tribute. Of course, he had strapped to his right thigh a double-edged sword about a foot and a half long. So, it's a bit, you know, it's not quite a sword, but it's a long dagger, right? A double-edged dagger. Of course, uh, double-edged is an interesting note, isn't it? Think of what we studied in Hebrews chapter 4 uh, two Wednesdays ago. We talked about the Word of God is a, is a two-edged sword, right? All right, so that's Hebrews 4 verse 12. Um, a nice note. The kids love this story. Uh, I hope the teachers read it to them. It's weird. The adults get offended by these stories and the children love them. I, I don't understand. <laughs> it's like, yeah, of course, because it's, it's really funny. It's also kind of sad. But uh, Eglon was a very fat man, right? Not mincing words there. No political correctness. Um, morbidly obese, we might say. Where did uh, Ehud turn back? says here he, after he finished presenting the tribute, he sent away his people who had carried the tribute, and he turned back. Um, this is just a, a geographical note at the stone images that were at Gilgal, and these will come up later, of course. And he went back claiming to have a secret message for Eglon, right? So what did Eglon do? Yeah, he sent away his attendants, which is a pretty big misstep on his part. Uh, and they were or where were they? 
both Ehud and Eglon. They were in the upper room of Eglon's summer palace. You know, wealthy guy. He's got a couple of houses. Uh, what did Ehud have for Eglon? He did have, he says, a message from God. You see that in verse 20, right? Uh, what did Ehud do? He thrust the sword right into his belly, right? And so impressive was the uh, um, profundity of, <laughs> of Eglon that what? The, the handle sunk in after the blade and the fat closed in over the sword. Of course, then the entrails come out, which is also a fun part of the story. Uh, what did Ehud do after, as he left? Yeah, he shut the doors and locked them. So uh, why did the servants wait so long to enter? What does it say here? He is probably attending to his needs. That's a nice euphemism. Uh, yeah, he's relieving himself is actually literally what it says uh, in the cool chamber. Of course you do. Uh, why does it mention in verse 26 that Ehud passed by the idols? The stone images again. Yeah. So we had them mentioned earlier now. That note is again. Excuse me. sneeze there um oh yes uh the thing with idols right these idols were meant to protect eglon and of course moab um from ehud but of course they could not because the lord is the only true god uh what did ehud do when he returned to ephraim yeah he blew the trumpet uh, and called the israelites um to lead them of what land did the Israelites take possession? It says here in verse 28, they seized the fords of the Jordan leading to Moab. How many Moabites did they kill? Verse 29, about 10,000. And how long did they have peace? It says here about 80 years, right? Or 480 years. Uh, there's one more judge mentioned today. Um, it's primarily about Ehud, but, but there's also Shamgar, right? The son of Anath. Uh, who did he fight against? 600 men of the Philistines with an ox goad. Uh, that's his weapon. What is an ox goad? Anybody know? Provoker annoyed someone to goad. I don't know what an ox goad is. Is that, like a, is that a stick for controlling the oxen? I think it is. You know, like a, like a shepherd's staff, except larger for oxen. And how am I, oh, and he killed 600 men. We said that. Okay. Oh, an ox goad. I think in the old translations that was just listed as one word. Ox goad. Traditional farming implement used to spur or guide livestock, usually oxen, uh, which are pulling a plow or a cart used to round up the cattle. It is a, long, a type of long stick with a pointed end, also known as a cattle prod. Oh, well, know what that is. There you go. Very good. All right, meditation on this text. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, even though it looked right in their own eyes. They were trusting in their eyes rather than the hearing of the word of God with their ears. The oppression by Eglon was used for good by God as it caused Israel to cry out in repentance and faith. Ehud was a savior, even though he was not the savior. He is a sign of the great deliverance the father would work by sending his son. While Ehud struck with the left hand, the Lord sent forth his son, his own right arm, to strike down our enemy. Like the sword buried in the fat of Ehud, our Lord's cross is buried in the head of our enemy, the devil, to crush him. 
As Ehud's triumph was hidden under his left-handedness, so our Lord's weakness before the devil became the moment in which Jesus permanently sank the sword into the devil. Even though the devil's stench remains, he has been defeated. Sin and death has no power over us. All right, very good. All right, we confess again this week the explanation to the third article. What does this mean? I believe that I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to him, but the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel, enlightened me with his gifts, sanctified and kept me in the true faith. In the same way, he calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies the whole Christian church on earth and keeps it with Jesus Christ in the one true faith. In this Christian church, he daily and richly forgives all my sins and the sins of all believers. On the last day, he will raise me and all the dead and give eternal life to me and all believers in Christ. This is most certainly true. All right, let us pray. O Holy Spirit, we cannot by our own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ, our Lord, or come to him. Call us to faith in Jesus by the gospel. Enlighten us every day with your gifts of baptism, absolution, and the Lord's Supper. Sanctify and keep us in the whole Christian church on earth with Jesus Christ in the one true faith. Forgive us our sins every day and give us the blessed hope of the resurrection to eternal life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. On this Monday, we pray for faith to live in the promises of holy baptism, for vocations and daily work, for the unemployed, for the salvation and well-being of our neighbors, for our schools, our homeschools, our colleges and seminaries, for good government and peace. Um, as we're seeing an increase of uh, hospitalizations in our uh, county and state, we pray especially for our first responders, doctors, nurses, and those who work in nursing homes and hospitals, that they would be given relief uh, from their labor. We pray for all those struggling with fear, anxious thoughts, and constant worry, that they would trust that God provides all that is needed for every circumstance. We pray for deliverance from all authoritarian, tyrannical, and dictatorial rule, especially those who would censor or restrict our faith, as well as our rights to speech, press, assembly, and protest. We pray for our military and law enforcement personnel. We pray in Thanksgiving with Ariel, who yesterday celebrated her birthday, with Jacqueline, who celebrated her baptism, with Noel and Reagan, who made the good confession of faith and were confirmed. We ask the Lord grant his healing to those who are ill or recovering from surgery or treatment, especially Marcella, Jan, Kelsey, Ron, Marlene, Brad, Janet, and Timothy, Pastor Lindau, Sandy, Linda, Joan, Ken, and Roger. Pray with uh, Ruth and other family and friends of Steve Siebenaller, who died in the Lord this last week. We pray for the homebound, Bev, David, Willis, and Janice, and Mickey. Pray for our mission of the month, Becca DeLoach, and also the work of Sheboygan County Hispanic Outreach. For all this, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. I pray our collect for this week. O Lord, absolve your people from their offenses, that from the bonds of our sins, which by reason of our frailty we have brought upon ourselves, we may be delivered by your bountiful goodness. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. 
and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have that you would keep or excuse me, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger. And I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings and life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul, and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. All right, our hymn for this week is Praise to the Lord, the Almighty. Gladly for our heart, oh 
right, that concludes our congregation of prayer for today, November 16th, 2020. So glad to have you with us all. Um, thanks for the comments. I, I got quite a bit of feedback, actually, from yesterday's sermon. I think it's because I, I did that rhetorical move where I tried to prepare people for something they might um, not expect to hear. Uh, in the case of the sermon, that was uh, politics from the pulpit, but um, it's it was time. It was appropriate. It was our gospel lesson and really our epistle lesson for yesterday as well. Um, and then I know some of you took advantage of this, but uh, um, the rest of you can go and do this. Uh, the video quality was terrible for the service, but uh, the Bible study actually was quite a bit better. So you can go watch the Bible study on YouTube, um, or you can listen to it as a podcast on our website uh, under church, and then I think audio video maybe, or media. I can't remember how it's listed there. Um, and uh, the Bible study, we, we dealt with two documents from 1930, one from 1930, one from 1937, um, one from America, one from Germany. A lot was going on politically at that time, and there was great questions about the relationship of church and state then um, that I thought we could bring to bear on our contemporary context. Um, so those documents are um, linked uh, in the YouTube description and also um, in the podcast description, so you can go and read those. They're all on the LCMS website. And uh, of course, we just kind of briefly uh, considered them. And I think Pastor Riley and I are going to actually dig deeper into the um, the, the document from Hermann Zasse, the, the German theologian, um, and do that for our Banned Books podcast. So that'll give uh, maybe even more opportunity to dig into the topic uh, as we interact with that work um, more thoroughly than I could in Bible study. So plenty of opportunity there. I think it's impro- appropriate given um, our current context and uh, you know waiting for uh, the election to be, uh, what do they call it? Validated? No. Authorized? No. Certified by the states. Uh, and then the Electoral College will meet. Uh, it is a little bit unprecedented that in a close election that uh, it wouldn't, you know, that the um, the press would call a, um, call a winner, but then um, the loser, according to the press, would then say he's not the loser and win <laughs> and let the courts hash it out. But the same thing happened in 2000. Uh, many don't remember. Um, Associated Press never called um, the election, but... Um, Actually, CNN and, and most of the mainstream outlets called it uh, for, for Al Gore, actually, in 2000. And then it was uh, Bush and the hanging chads and whatnot in Florida. Ultimately, Bush, Bush being uh, the victor, according to the Supreme Court. So we'll see something similar this time, although I think much more uh, significant as far as um, the number of cases and uh, the number of states involved. So uh, it seemed appropriate that we consider our interaction with that as Christians and uh, how we best. Um, be involved, if we should be involved at all, all those questions. Uh, so again, listen to the sermon or watch the sermon. Uh, listen to the Bible study, watch the Bible study. Both are on YouTube and on our, our podcast. Uh, of course, you watch the complete service on Facebook, although it's pretty unwatchable, but it's certainly audible. So <laughs> you get a general idea of what's going on. Uh, so God willing, we'll come up with an answer for that someday. Um, that's both affordable and uh, quality. All right. So Lord be with you all, and we'll see you again tomorrow morning.